When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for football, hockey, and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 65 65- 1-436-1120 or visit ticketkingonline.com For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings we present Bonus Chatter Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered and uninterrupted This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast Go get that first Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, and I'm joined this evening by Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN's Mackie and Judd Morning Show. And this evening, we'll go over the Vikings' 49-17 dismantling of the New York Giants, what you can take from that and what you can't from a blowout loss like that. We'll take a look at some of the Vikings' scenarios in the playoffs, an NFC North title match set up January 3rd at Green Bay in the season finale. Uh, and then we'll close out uh, just looking at how far we think these Vikings might be able to go in the playoffs now that they have locked up a playoff berth with tonight's win over the Giants. First off, Judd, a 49-17 to throttling, however you want to describe it, the way that the Vikings just basically stomped out the New York Giants. I think it was somewhat predictable. I think we kind of saw this coming. I don't know if we saw 49 points coming from the Vikings, but I think everybody kind of saw that without Odell Beckham Jr., this Giants team was going to struggle to put up a fight. What can you take from this win for the Minnesota Vikings that you can see them carry over now heading into Lambeau Field? Well, I think the key thing here is the fact that the Giants clearly didn't want to be here tonight playing. It was cold <laughs> out. They, they are, they're out of the playoffs now that Washington won on Saturday night. They were pretty much disinterested in playing a football game. To yeah. the Vikings' credit, though, they took advantage of that and put up 49 points. So They seem pretty interested I'm, in playing football. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, so basically what I'm saying is if you eke out a win or have a close game against a team like this, then I think, okay, it might be a win, but you're disappointed in the approach. The Vikings looked at, looked at a team that for the second week in a row, you could basically say, has no playoff aspirations, mm-hmm. pretty much dead in the water, playing. Yeah, they were eliminated from the playoffs the night before yeah, with and, Washington's win. And yep. so for the second week in, in a row, the Vikings were playing teams that are playing out the string. And I think in football, I think there's probably nothing worse than trying to play football when it doesn't matter. That being said, though, the Vikings killed them tonight. 
and that's the, the good thing. The Vikings did not get help uh, from Carolina today, or which, Seat- they, which they could have used yeah. the help from. Yes, yeah. exactly right. They didn't get help from Seattle, yeah. so they controlled their own fate by the time the game started, and they uh, they showed no uh, no interest in in trying to help the Giants or their cause. So the impressive thing to me was that the Vikings annihilated the Giants. Yeah, to me it was more so what you saw on the field, specifically from a Vikings defense that was finally at full strength. The, tonight was the first time uh, at the end of December where the Vikings actually had the, all 22 starters available since the last time they faced Green Bay on November 22nd. So it had been about a four-week stretch where they had been dealing with injuries at, at different levels of the defense, mm-hmm. uh, obviously dealing with uh, certain injuries at the receiving core where we didn't see Charles Johnson tonight. But the people that were on the field, what I saw from Teddy Bridgewater, I think is something they can carry over here going into Lambeau Field. I'm seeing a Teddy Bridgewater who's hitting the downfield shots that you didn't see him hit a month ago when they faced Green Bay the last time around. Uh, now that wasn't the difference necessarily in, in Green Bay's 30 to 13 win here at uh, at TCF Bank Stadium last month. Right. But if you got that part of your offense going, as Brandon Fusco told me after the game, when we're not one dimensional, we're pretty dang good, and that's mm-hmm. something that you see from this Vikings offense. Now, Teddy didn't have as many opportunities with them leaning on Adrian Peterson so much in a lead, but right away that first uh, would be touchdown throw that was deflected to Mike Wallace in the end zone that was a similar play that the week prior against Chicago they hit on the 15 yard touchdown fade. Teddy put that ball at the right spot. It was just a great play by the Giants defensive back to deflect it. Sure. Then you see him come back a couple series later and hit Kyle. Rudolph for a touchdown down the seam. One of those passes where you're going to see those matchups, and you, we've seen them throughout the season. When Adrian Peterson's running the way he is, defenses obviously want to play up to him and take away him, so they load the box, and you're getting those one-on-one matches downfield. Now you're seeing Teddy Bridgewater hit those shots. And to me, I think that's something that that confidence, that rolling in the passing game, you can see that maybe kind of continue, and hopefully they can carry that over against the Green Bay defense that has been uh, a little injury-prone themselves. Bridgewater, the last two weeks against teams that aren't that good, there's definitely a swagger about him and this well, offense Well, and the Arizona game, exist. though. He put up 300. Yeah, that's true. He did put up a lot of points. That, or a that's lot of true, yards, but there's a, swag, there's a swagger in recent games that, that did not exist mm-hmm. for quite a while there during the stretch when the Vikings basically – when they when they lost to Seattle, that was bad. Mm. And then the Arizona loss was a tough loss. But you're right; he came back in that game and looked good. and And I think that the uh, I think that North Turner continues to put this offense now in positions to succeed that he maybe didn't previously. Bridgewater's playing with confidence, but now the key question becomes this: the vi- the story of the season, if you take out the the opening night loss at San Francisco, is this: the Vikings have done a really good job of beating the teams they should beat. Mm. And they have done an excellent job of that. What they haven't done is they haven't beat that next group of teams. And the Packers, don't get me wrong, the Packers are not playing well. This is not the team that started 6-0 and is long gone. Green Bay is not playing well. But there seemed to be something in the loss that the Vikings suffered against the Packers here where there is some type of, I don't know if respect's the right word, the Vikings in the game against Green Bay at TCF Bank Stadium looked like the stage was almost too big. And that's what I'm really curious to see now on a Sunday night game that's been flexed now to a primetime game. Can the Vikings go into Green Bay and not look intimidated? Because that, to me, if if Mike Zimmer's teams are making incremental steps, that's the next step. Can you go into a place and play against a team that, for for whatever reason, has had your number or intimidated you, and can you reverse the roles there and beat that team? That's a big next step to me, Andrew. That's interesting because when you look at how this Viking season has unfolded, they're 10-5. and five. They are making the playoffs in Mike Zimmer's second season. Uh-huh. I think they have exceeded expectations at least that i set or no that question. we set here at the station Stay clearly for the vikings i said eight wins I, I didn't think we would be i we didn't think 
<clears throat> nor did I or you, I don't think, thought they would be playing for the NFC title in the season no. finale. We no we talked about on this very podcast months ago about, well, maybe Green Bay would be resting starters by that time. Yeah. I don't think anybody saw that Green Bay would be playing as poorly as they did. So to have this shot... It just shows you the kind of carousel or, or the roller coaster, excuse me, that they've gone through. And to your point about how that stage did look a bit too big for them at the end of November, here at TCF against the Packers, I think that when you see the roller coaster they've gone through, remember after after that opening uh, uh, loss to San Francisco, Mike Zimmer said, "We're not as good as we think we are." How many times did you hear that throughout the season from the Vi- or from Mike Zimmer whenever the Vikings lost one of those big stage games? Mm-hmm. I think now you're seeing that confidence in them, and you're seeing that kind of pumped up once again. They lost three of the last four games heading into that game against the Chicago Bears. They've now won and completely blown out these last two teams at home against teams that you're right didn't look very interested in being in those games. What that has done, though, is given this team that confidence that they can compete with teams. I think that Arizona loss, too, is one that kind of sticks with them more so than even these last two wins, where they traveled on the road on a short week with a shorthanded defense and went in there and almost beat what will be probably the number two seed in the NFC. So I think those kind of games, these last three, I think you have to kind of throw that Cardinals loss in with these two wins in terms of a confidence booster for this Vikings team. You're right. It's a very young group that is kind of surging at the right time, and they feel like that's, that's kind of the mixture that they have and that this is the kind of time to be doing it. And I, I think in some respects, too, the, the loss to Seattle at home here was an eye-opener because they saw when they didn't play well, when they don't play well, they saw just how far they, they were from a team like that. I mean, Seattle's played great until today, of course, since they lost to the Rams. But at the way that <laughs> Seattle was playing at the time and the Vikings didn't come out and play a good game and they just got throttled. And it, it was, But it was almost like everybody took accountability from that too because to me the offense has looked different to me the offense we really went from that weekly struggle of okay is this the bridgewater game plan the peterson game plan and think about how many times throughout the course of the show we've talked about marrying the two together and they weren't doing it well since the cardinals game i would say that we we are seeing game plans that make sense for both sides now and that is huge because now you can't just say okay 28's the guy today, and if I, and if an opposing defense can stop him, you're done. Now it's, all right, 28's always going to have a big role. Peterson certainly is. But Bridgewater, I believe, from this offensive staff in these last group of games, has been put in a position to succeed where I, w- I would argue during the course of the time that they didn't play that great, he was not – he didn't do himself any favors, Andrew, but I also don't know that he was put in as good of positions as he is right now. And we've, we've talked. We, we talk about Norv Turner until our faces are blue, too, in, in terms of the job he's done and how Teddy Bridgewater's done. And I think that's obvious because if there's one area where this team could improve throughout the year, the, you, like you said, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They're in the in the position they want to be in to win, and they're in, and they and they obviously win the division. But the one area that you always thought, where can they improve and where are they lacking, is the passing game. It's the offense. It's never really been the defense. When the defense has struggled, they've always at least had injuries to point to with their best players at every position mm-hmm. or every level of the defense has, has dealt with something throughout the year. But when they're all healthy, you see what they're capable of. You saw it tonight. Three interceptions, maybe four. Ed Everson Griffin caught that one where he dropped into coverage. They were absolutely destroying Eli Manning. But we talk about Norv Turner so much in this offense because that was the P that, that piece, that was the key that I think we thought was missing. And now I think we've absolutely seen 
a pivot, at least from the game planning or the concepts or yes. at least the approach from the coaching staff with Teddy Bridgewater, whether that's directly coming from Teddy, speaking up more, because we've heard from the coaching staff that that's something he wasn't necessarily comfortable of doing, that he almost has to tell Mike Zimmer what he doesn't like, so then Zimmer can go tell Norv Turner what he doesn't like. Which is Instead fine, of just saying it gets conveyed, though. Exactly, exactly. But I think now maybe those, those lines of communication are at least falling a little more freely, yeah. and maybe you're seeing the result of that now, and that Teddy's getting the ball out quicker. That that game against uh, uh, Chicago, where he had basically like a, his best passer rating ever, it was like 154.4 or something like that. Yep. That was the quickest release he's ever gotten the ball out, and I'll be intrigued to see what it was tonight, because it wasn't necessarily the best statistical game for him, but he was getting the ball out quickly. And then when he had those shots downfield, he was taking them, mm-hmm. like that Kyle Rudolph touchdown, which I believe was just about his second or third touchdown pass of the season of over 20 yards. Mm-hmm. He's not able to really loft that ball downfield often with consistency. Pretty pass. That too. was a pretty pass. It was a great run, uh, uh, route. Excuse me, run by Kyle Rudolph to be yep. able to kind of pivot his body and get that separation. Well, he, faked, he faked outside. Yep. And then basically he fakes outside on the defender, so the defender starts to cut outside with him, and then he goes back in. So. And Teddy throws that directly, and that's with Jason Pierre-Paul in his face because yep. T.J. Clemmings got turned around once again. So that's something that those are the conditions you're always going to have in this offense right now, and you have to be able to make those plays. I would say that Bridgewater's playing with with far more confidence. Than he previously showed, and I also would say the coaching staff is I. I really felt like at one point it, it was almost a battle of wills and stubbornness, and I don't see that now. Now I see them saying, "Okay, this is what, and this is this is the best thing that you can do for a young QB," and say, "What does he do well now?" That doesn't mean that four years down down the road that he can't develop might and learn take things. Seven step drops yep. and be great at it. Yep. But you know, to say to be as as rigid as to say this is my offense and this is what what we run. That's a mistake. So what I think you do say is you say, okay, we've got a really good back in the backfield in Peterson who can do a lot. How do we then go about getting the most that we can from the quarterback who's a second-year quarterback? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've seen is they've, they basically went back and said, okay, let's just worry about what we can get from him instead of trying to force him in, into things. And I also don't see Bridgewater playing nearly as afraid as I think he did a month ago. I swear a month ago that it looked like he was always paranoid about, I can't do this, I can't do that. If I throw a pick, I'm in trouble. I now see a guy playing a little bit more freely and could that mean he makes mistakes? Absolutely. But you've got to trust him enough to say, all right, if you think it's there, it's there. Because what do we see? We see him now making passes into windows where there could be trouble, but the more likely result is positive. A month ago, he almost never made that pass because you could see him processing through his mind, oh, my God, if I make this pass and it's picked, I'm in trouble. I don't see that now. No, you don't. You don't see somebody who's scared. You see a quarterback who looks comfortable in what's being run and what's being called, and I think that is part of the, the pivot. And to go back to what we were just saying with Norv Turner and this coaching staff, it seems that they pivoted to more of that kind of quick passing game. We saw we even saw Jarek McKinnon and Adrian Peterson on the field at the same time. It was almost like a fake double screen, and then they throw the screen to Peterson. And Praise the Lord. Off. Look good the, to me. Those are the kind of things, exactly. Those are the kind of things that you want to see from this offense now when they have the kind of weapons that they have, but then also having to kind of work around a glaring weakness, which is your offensive line. And when you say Teddy Bridgewater looked uh, as scared as he did, you know, a, a month ago uh, in this offense, I think the change now has been that he's not as fearful 
in front of that offensive line anymore because he knows he's got routes in front of him that he can get the ball out quickly. That's not to say they didn't mix that stuff in before because I know they did, but that wasn't their bread and butter. That's not what they were predicated on. Now they're predicated on that kind of quick stuff, and then we'll take the deep shots. Not let's just keep trying to take the deep right. shots and then throw something underneath. This is something where you're seeing him in, too. It's not, it's not just the shallow stuff. You saw the intermediate stuff to Jarius Wright to pick up big third downs uh, on Sunday. You're seeing him kind of stretch the field from that 10 to 15-yard range, but what it is is there's not these routes that's taking a seven-step drop to develop. When they are doing that, they're putting him into shotgun situations where he's more comfortable in, as opposed to saying, hey, do a play-action drop back for seven steps and then wait for a you know 15-yard hook route developed. to open up. And it never developed. Now you're seeing them be a little bit more creative with what they're doing in this short stuff. You're seeing them move the pocket with Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. I'm seeing a lot more naked bootlegs, rollouts, those kind of things, getting him in space. If there's one thing that I think he's really good at for a young quarterback, it is throwing on the run. I think he can target people while he's running. I don't think he necessarily has to be able to sit there and, and have to dissect something and then throw with planted feet. He's able to actually get rid of that ball on the run, and that's something that I think they've taken advantage of now. Those kind of things, those little nuances that are changing with this offense, I think have allowed him mm-hmm. to be more comfortable and allow and then be more efficient. Because if you're if you're missing on all these deep shots five times in a row, whatever it was earlier in the season, you're not going to be comfortable then when you drop back with a play you do like. Yep. When you kind of get those five, ten plays under your belt to open a game and then you take that deep shot, you're a lot more comfortable with your arm and it's just natural and I think that's what we're seeing with Teddy Bridgewater is he's comfortable with the early game plans and then that kind of allows him to hit those downfield shots that's going to be critical for them to keep up with an offense that you're going to face in the NFC playoffs and I do like if they can figure out a way to do it um, here and there which they did against the Giants the McKinnon-Peterson combination could be pretty good. And Jarek McKinnon offers something, too. I really think... And he's not a bad pass protector, either. No, he's I think not. The, I think the retort is, well, then neither are going to pass protect. Well, McKinnon's not bad. But I like those two together because it offers up a lot, potentially, and defenses have, have to account for it. And and as well as, as McKinnon did last year in place of Peterson for much of the year, and he played well, I thought he sort of got lost this year and I'm sure it all goes back to the fact that they were trying to find a role for Peterson and they have to use him and they feel that they have to have well, him for on the longest that. time it was such cookie cutter it was right. Peterson first and second down Asiata third down but for the longest time but what's a better idea especially with, with Peterson at 30 now than to be able to take some of the load not the whole thing I mean he's still going to carry a lot 22 carries on, on Sunday night but what's a better idea than to have McKinnon and Peterson out there together at times and have defenses say oh okay who should we account for? Because both can make plays. Yeah, and if you're and one count- of them can catch the ball really well, and it's not Peterson. <laughs> Absolutely, I think McKinnon. He scored late on on was it a catch? No, it was actually just a handoff up yeah. the gut. But he then had he two broke more out. touchdowns tonight, and I think he has three in two games. And those are the only three touchdowns of his career, right? So yes, and, and he can make plays. They've clearly uh, tried to get him more involved in there. And like I said, he for his size and for what he is, he's a great pass protecting back from what you would expect out of a guy like that, especially as young as he is. Now, Judd, let's pivot a little bit and talk about uh, this defense. Defense that we've seen now. You saw Linval come back. You saw Anthony Barr come back. You yep. saw the playmaking ability from Harrison Smith. His first game back uh, takes that touchdown 35 yards back, uh, or interception, excuse me, 35 yards back for a touchdown. Now this defense is the backbone of this team. It was the reason they went on the five-game winning streak heading into the first matchup with Green Bay. Now you see the way they're playing now. Can you take, go back to the first question, how much can you take from the defense's performance when you saw an Odell Beckham-less offense? It's hard from tonight, uh, from the this game and and as i said i don't want to put down what the vikings did but we do have to keep going back to the fact that you can't look at this game and just say 
it's great because the, the Giants didn't want to play this game, basically. Now, I give the Vikings credit. They put up all those points on the Giants. All of that and a lot being, of it, 14 probably from the defense, yeah, right? The seventh interception, being, the Munnellin. All of that yeah. being said, I think what you can take is if this defense is healthy, it's really good. The system works. The players work. This defense, I mean, you saw what Smith can bring tonight again. And and when you look... And they were beating the hell out of Eli Manning, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and he looked terrible. But when you look at what Joseph can bring up front, what Barr could do, you know... And I still contend that Barr is a linchpin to this defense because him being on the field makes offenses have to account for him because you don't know where he's going to be and what he, he can do. I think he causes... Even if he doesn't cause disruption on a play, I think his presence does. And so if this defense is healthy and and the system which does work is in place, I think this defense is very, very good. And you know what? Rodgers is, is fantastic, but I will say this. The Green Bay Packers look like a mess, and I'm not convinced that for at least one game, Mike Zimmer can't come up with a game plan defensively that could cause the Packers havoc. I'm not convinced that he can't do that. After all, the Detroit Lions won there, did they not? They did win there. Did Chicago win there, or was Chicago that Chicago won there? Field? So, so on Thanksgiving the Viking, night, or the Packers actually could be swept at Lambeau Field yes, by the NFC by North these teams. Yes. Wow, that probably hasn't happened in a very. But long Mike time. Zimmer's good enough to devise a game plan. I really believe to even take a, a really good QB. Yep. And cause him problems. I'm not saying that the Vikings can beat the Packers for sure. What I am saying is they definitely should have a chance. And I really think a lot of this just gets through the mental block of the Vikings can't beat Green Bay, which is how they think. I mean, I want to say they've lost five in a row. It's been six if you include the tie in 2013 or so. Yeah, 13. And, the Tolzien-Ponder matchup. Yeah, exactly some point, right. Like, I awake in a cold sweat thinking about that. And I apologize for that. You shouldn't have had to watch that at your young age. That's my but first trip to Lambo. All that being said, I really think that Mike Zimmer has the potential to devise a game plan that could cause problems for the Packers. And I think, too, the one area that you kind of look at and you wonder about this Vikings defense, and at least areas they've struggled in now, it has been against, I guess, misdirection not necessarily misdirection but more so just running teams in general and running quarterbacks now they've struggled against uh you know in it was twice in three weeks between russell wilson and aaron Rodgers. and yep. now i don't think they've i guess colin kaepernick would have been the one uh earlier in the season which didn't it wasn't the reason they lost it wasn't because kaepernick was running around on no they were feet. just awful that game. but yeah they just couldn't stop carlos hyde i just i don't think they've really been able to contain well enough guys like Aaron Rodgers right. or Russell Wilson in those games, that's going to be something I'll be watching. But I think you can take away, like you said, the playmaking ability from that defense to know, okay, this is still the group that very much is one of the best in the NFL when they're fully healthy, fully available, and playing to the level they're capable of playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something where you're going to see that now come into a factor and be the reason why they might be able to go uh, farther in the in the NFC playoffs. So before we go, Judd, I want to ask you one question about how far – do you think this Vikings team is capable of going in the playoffs? Now, there's a situation where they can be the 3, 5, or 6 seed right now after this week. Heading into the final week, it's possible that the Vikings, if they win, they host a playoff game, and they're they're hosting the Seattle Seahawks. That is actually already decided. They're the three seed, though. Okay. Yeah, they'd be the three yep. seed, and they'd be hosting the Seattle Seahawks because oh, that'd be fun. that would mean Green Bay. Wait, hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they'd be hosting the Seattle Seahawks because Green Bay owns the tiebreaker over Seattle, which means that put Green Bay at the five. So right. then Seattle would be the six. Okay. If Green Bay, if the Vikings lose, mm-hmm. they're either the five or the six, depending on what Seattle does. If Seattle wins and the Vikings lose, then they're the six and they go to Green Bay. If mm-hmm. Seattle loses and the Vikings lose, they're the five and they go to Washington. There's three teams that can play in the playoffs. Washington, Green Bay, Seattle. How far does this Vikings team go? Do they pass the first round, I should ask? Um, 
In terms of what you've seen this year, what well, they're capable of they doing. If they have to play the Seahawks, I say no. Seattle, I think, would beat them. Mm. Uh, if they get to play the Packers again in Lambeau, most likely then, is, is that the scenario? So The, the only way so they play they the Packers go, in the playoffs is if they go to go Lambeau. Go back to Lambeau. Yes, absolutely. I would give them a chance. A lot of that depends on, on what happens on Sunday. Yeah. But if they play the Packers again, I would give them a chance. And uh, I don't care where you, you play Washington, if I can play them, I'd be absolutely <laughs> I'd thrilled. And I'm not I'd play them on the Mars without oxygen. I'm not saying that Washington <laughs> couldn't beat them. They definitely could. But, yeah. I mean, the NFC East is a complete joke, and it's a mess. I would give you a good chance in, in that game. I mean, the, to me, what the Vikings the Vikings' success comes down to— So, wait, are you trying to say that the worst thing that could happen is they go into Lambeau and win I'm and saying, host the I'm Seattle the worst, Seahawks? The one team I do not want to see if I'm the Vikings in the first round is Seattle. So, Green it'd be Bay better for them to lose— Green Bay Next is week. dysfunctional right now, yeah. and Washington is basically going to win a division or did win a division that, that somebody had to win. Yep. If you have to play Seattle, I don't care where you play them, they're better. So I would say, yes, the worst thing, in my opinion, that could happen, in my estimation, is to actually have to come back here. I do not want any part of Russell Wilson no, I agree with you, or I that defense. Regardless of what they failed to do against St. Louis this weekend, I, I, I think, St. Louis has Seattle's number, and we've seen that multiple times. I now. think Green Bay is ripe. If you don't beat them on Sunday, I think they're ripe to, to be beat then the following week. Green Bay's just, if you look at their offensive line so problems, you're saying they should play receivers. possum then. They should just kind of lay down. Well, <laughs> if you think about it, though, I mean, look at their offensive right. line, you're their right. receivers. Yeah. I mean, they still have a great They're quarterback, but they are not They are not even close to being. I mean, there was a time when they were 6-0, and and I thought they were the second-best team in the league to the Patriots, mm-hmm. and they looked for real. And now you look at all their problems. So, yes, I would say the worst thing that could happen is I would have no interest in coming back here because I don't think – if the Vikings played the Seahawks ten times this year, right now, I think they lose nine times. I real, I just, I, it's tough. Now, could Zimmer come up with a game plan that would stop Wilson? I've talked about this before. He could, but man, Russell Wilson, when he's going good, is really good. Now, I would be curious though. The fact that the Seahawks lost at home to the Rams and the Rams always play Seattle tough mm-hmm. does intrigue me. But I would still say, if I had to rank them, I would take Washington probably. Actually, you know what? I I might take Green Bay one, Washington two. You'd rather go to Green Bay than Washington. I would almost rather go back to if you lose to Green Bay a week from Sunday, mm-hmm. and the pack because they get a little bit cocky on that. Okay. I would yeah. almost rather go back there. So I I might go Green Bay. You're right, and I'd rather take Mike Zimmer in back to back weeks against the yes, same team. Than, I'm serious because yeah, I think coaching. Yeah. I think the one thing the Vikings and and for. Uh, Viking fans, it's so rare. But I think the one thing that you've got going for you is coaching. I really yeah. do. And yeah. it's been a long time, long time since as a Vikings fan, people could say that. But think about it. I give them a chance. You're right. I guess I, I would I would probably say that the Vikings' best matchup would be to go to Washington. Uh, I and just, you're, you're probably yeah, right. Yeah. I just think if you lose to Green Bay and you've Either lost way, to them. Either way, that means you lose to Green Bay, though, if, if you're and, going to Washington. And you've lost yeah. to them twice and you get them again. I th- I just I think Green Bay is the type of team that's just ripe to be knocked off in, in the playoffs. I don't I do not see Green Bay making any type of uh, lengthy playoff run, not with their injuries and their problems. Ask the Vikings, and they clearly would say they'd rather claim the NFC North crown and bring on the Seahawks. Uh, but that's not yeah, what that's we do here service. at the Purple Podcast. That's crazy talk. <laughs> crazy well, talk. Thanks for joining us here at the at the podcast. Please check back to 1500ESPN.com. Check us out on iTunes, Podcast One, and listen for us this week as we preview the Vikings and Packers for the NFC North. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug to Chris Howard. 
University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point a finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.